Welcome back to Graveyard Shift. This is your host, Frankie Cambaletta, and with me as always, as always, Jeremy David King. Jeremy, what's your middle name? David, 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 David. This show is brought to you by Podbelly. The Podbelly Network, found at podbelly.com. And Podcast Mo, right here in Mo, Missouri. Missouri. Future sponsor, Muggsy Jeans. Muggsy. Jeremy, do I look comfortable to you? You do. Do you know why I'm comfortable? Because of your new Muggsy jeans? My new Muggsy jeans. I'm a big guy, and I like wearing, I like having style. And I think that what Muggsy does different is, and you can find this all out at MuggsyJeans.com, style for everyone. It's not just big guys. It's for all sizes and shapes. Even really, really skinny guys that have the same problem. You know, there's always the opposite side of the spectrum. There's an opposite side of the spectrum. They have chinos, they have jeans, and these I'm wearing right now are called squid inks. Squid inks. So I can stretch and squat like a little squid squid. <gasps> like Squidward? I am Squidward in these jeans. That's amazing. So check those guys out on MugsyJeans.com. Jeremy, what are we talking about? The Exorcist. Exorcist. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. <laughs> Exorcist. Yes, yeah, Exorcist edition on the Camaro. Yeah, I did. That's actually. an actual fucking package. Eleven hundred horsepower. Jesus. Jesus. You know what? That's a lot of hearse purse. You know what's weird? They don't actually have a horn. When <laughs> you press the horn, it says the power of Christ compels you to move. <laughs> <laughs> Power of Christ, the power of Christ. So if you don't go all the way through it, it just keeps doing the power of Christ. Pop, 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 power. Yeah, exactly. And that's you know when you get you know get my get my boys in the hood there, you know they'll probably start making some beats on that shit. Dude, that would be awesome. The power of Christ compels you, and it compels us on this episode. Do you know why? It's part three, Jeremy. We took a week off. Yep. We announced that to our to our staff because if they don't know Graveyard Shift Shift Films, they're starting to understand what the shift is standing for here, huh? Because we like to go. Vroom, vroom, room, room. Don't we like to go? Vroom. We like to sound ignorant as fuck on the road, and that's what we have. We have a '69 Chevelle. It's our new baby. '69. We're gonna have our own YouTube channel. We're gonna be doing some fun stuff: suspension, brakes. Yeah, because th- the stopping. alignment's getting done by somebody that knows how to do an alignment. I'm not fucking fucking yeah. with that. Seven hundred and fifty dollars for that shit. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, but we're gonna do suspension. We're going to we're going to convert it from drums to disc brakes. Disc brakes. And it was fun to drive. We took a little joyride today. Yes, we did. Because you have to get used to that 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 let Hurst four speed shifter there, son. The T the T ten man. That's that's some tight tight shifting. It's a if you don't know what a T ten is, it's a little tiny small H. When you're used to those big H's on you're doing your shifting, this is a performance shifter. So it's real tight. Are you part goat? Are you goat boy? <laughs> Greatest of all time. 69 Chevelle? Close. My favorite my favorite muzzle car of all time is a 70 GTO Judge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you can't. You can't I can't I can't get that one yet, but I think there's one in the garage somewhere. I don't think it's a No, it's a 69. Yep. It's not a Judge. I think that's a 68. Actually, the funny thing about the Judge is is that was the last year that GTO and he did, did anything spectacular. And that right. was the only thing that that one idiot did that ran the company into the ground, basically. He ran the GTO into the ground. 
Pretty much. He was like, well, I call it the judge. Because Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, it was a joke. Yeah. So It was a joke. Pretty crazy, though. The 1970 judge. We don't have that one yet, but we do have a 1969 Chevelli. It's a Chevelli. We're driving in the Chevelli. A Chevelli? It's probably more French. And I told Art and Jacob, if you guys haven't haven't listened to Art and Jacob, you're, you're wasting your time on podcasts. These guys are fucking hilarious. It's like, the best way I can describe it is like, you're with your pals and you're listening to them and they're just going on and on about shit. And then like you either find it funny or you want to argue with them. And it's kind of like, that's true. Every one of their shows is just a lot of fun to listen to. That's kind of like us. It is. It is. So it's our boys out in California. Um, Cali. They've, they've been giving us so much love. So Art and Jacob do America. Love you guys. Thank you for everything. Thanks for having us on your show. We're going to have you guys on our show because one of those guys I'm I'm pretty sure it's art. Art believes that we never went to the moon. Yeah. No, we don't we don't do that here on the show. But all of November with Muggsy Jeans is the debate month. Right. The debate month happens. We're doing we're debating Bigfoot. How come I cannot find it heard? That's all I do when I'm in the forest, Jeremy. I look it, for Bigfoot poop. Maybe he has small feet. We are doing um, another fun one, lunar landing. So did we land on the moon or not? The Foth, Foth man. Foth man. <laughs> Foth man. You turn a light on and there's a, a giant man floating about. Yeah. Just keeps running his face into a light bulb. So we're debating the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. We have a picture of us going over that bridge that collapsed. Yeah. And then our fourth and final one, Jeremy. It's a tough one. Sorry, I've got a cold. Yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot, of, lot of air in there. I have I have lung capacity issues. Well, that too. What you want to do is hook up some headers. <laughs> I have one large header <laughs> that exhausts. What's a lot. our third debate? Isn't this the Area Fifty One? Area Fifty One. Was it there? Did it exist? Is it even anything? Is it an actual missile that hit us and they had to make up some stupid story about aliens crashing? Because you think about it, you know, the carburetor goes out over, you know. Or something goes out. They stall out. You know, maybe it's the maybe they maybe they put in a Hurst shifter. Maybe they put in a D10. Maybe they maybe they killed it. They killed it, and the spaceship just right they there just, in they, Roswell. They hit it in uh, first. You gotta let it go easy now. Let it go easy down. He just that's probably what happened. Yeah, he killed it. Hurst shifter. He 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 killed it when he was shifting gears. They were getting ready to do that crazy like. Or he's doing that that <laughs> reverse that I was doing outside. Yeah. The car is just like the down. Anyway, that's what's coming up. Some fun stuff. But tonight, (coughs) dude, there's a piece of corn on the mic. That's great. We didn't even eat corn. That's what's fucked up about it. That's really messed up, isn't it? Anyway, the idea behind the 1949 Exorcist in St. Louis is coming up next. That's our updates for the week that we've been gone. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're still listening to us. We have a 411 followers. I am I, I am so thankful that you guys want to listen to me ramble. It's awesome. You do ramble a lot, and I do a lot of editing, so they really don't get the ramble part. Oh. I have to endure that. But <laughs> for a time there, Jeremy, we were floating right at 396 on our followers, and I <sighs> kind of didn't want to go away from that because that's your super spark. Super spark. And then we went right up to that 402. <laughs> oh, I guess... <laughs> 
Because now we're heading to 427. We are heading to the 420. Try to get to 440. How about that? Yeah, but that's a Chrysler. That's a Mopar. That's a Chrysler. That's a Mopar. All right. Everybody that has a car has to talk like that. And you have to grow a mustache. Really? Done. Is that why I've had a mustache since I was like 12? The Exorcist of 1949 in St. Louis is next. You guys, I wish you would be more offensive about paranormal. I don't like light. It's a bit nutty. I don't believe that it's all real. I love you guys. It's actually the most played podcast. Everybody wants to see this whole thing. You can't choose between life and death when we're dealing with what is in between. Now tell her before it's too late. Run to the light, baby! I have seen a ghost in my life. Be more offensive about paranormal. Because that's what we do best. Welcome to Graveyard Shift, the podcast from Shift Films. I'm Frankie Campbelletta. And I am Jeremy King. And we're back just like that. I hope you, I, love, I love that intro. That intro is kind of cool. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I don't like light. <laughs> you know where that's from? I don't like light. Absence of light, double peanut butter chocolate. Oh, yeah. I do remember that now. That's the good shit lollipop. Okay, so we're going to jump right in here. Our child, the actual boy's name. Is Ronald Edwin Hunkler. Ronnie Doe. Ronald Doe. John Doe. Doe. Raimi. He had a lot of names. Aliases, really. Within the church. Now, the church tries to hide the privacy and that's why you, you get those types of things. Right? I think so. There's, you know, there's debate, you know, because the, the, at, at different points, the priests who were involved when they gave, they actually did do some interviews and they always gave different information. Right. And, you know, some people are like, well, that's because it was bullshit, but I really think it's because they were trying to throw people off and make them think it was bullshit because they were actually protecting his identity. Yeah, and his identity would be protected for a very long time. Uh, Hunkler is actually, to all knowledge, he's still alive. He was born on June 1st, 1935 or 6, cannot confirm. His hometown was Cottage City, Maryland, or Mount Rainier. Uh, his parents, Edwin Hunkler, a non-practicing Catholic, and Odell Coppage Hunkler, evangelical Lutheran, was his mom. Tell us a little bit about the early beginnings, man. So, kind of where this all comes from is he has this Aunt Tilly that lives in St. Louis, and Aunt Tilly is in, involved in the spiritualist movement. So... Uh, she was using things like the dowsing rod, but the thing that's probably probably caused this whole thing was using a Ouija board. Which has become very popular again amongst different groups. And yeah. I, I find that so strange because like one of the things that we were we were told, you know, growing up is that you just don't play with those things because they give you an invitation to the dark side. And as even we've saw in the movie, and if you guys haven't listened, if you have, there's two parts of this. So if you haven't listened to the origin of exorcism or the one before that, which was the movie review, the movie's pretty blatant on the fact that here we have a child playing with the Ouija board, and it's very faint, yes, but it's still it's that invitation. And so Captain Howdy, Captain Howdy, and so yeah. this is what he's experienced with his aunt Tilly, who lives in St. Louis, right? right. So after he's 
playing with the Ouija board a couple times by himself, which is also very dangerous and is also curtailed inside the movie as well. She was playing with herself. Even her mom makes a comment. Right. You can't play by yourself. Yeah, watch me. And then nothing happened with her, right? Because at that point, the invitation was already there. Right. She had already accepted, if you will. Exactly. And so some of the things start happening that we look for when we're when we're investigating, when me and Jeremy investigate. We have our own team now. It's Graveyard Shift Paranormal. And we only do um, specific houses that we know the people when they come as friends. Um, right. Don't really charge unless it goes beyond, you know, our environment. So if you're like in California. You want us to come? Well, it's, there's a lot of cost involved in that. So right. if you really want us there, you know. We'll come out. So some of the things that that happened with Hunkler, though, the beginning of that was, you know. Well, so they had noises and scratching, you know, and that was portrayed in the movie, too. You know, they had the rats in the attic, but it, there was no rats, but they had the scratching, and there was a dripping noise, like uh, just constant, just drip, drip, drip. Um, I believe there was a cross that was on the wall that shook. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, this is kind of that, the second stage where it's kind of like, I'm letting you know that you're, we're here and, uh, we want to party. Yep. And they're making themselves known. Right. The demon is making themselves They're kind of wearing, wearing you down. So Ronald's, Ronald's behavior changes a little bit. Now, just so you guys know, Ronald has an interesting childhood as well there are a lot of his childhood friends that spoke out against ronald in the early stages of this ronald liked to play alone he was into hurting animals uh some reports have said that uh that's not coming from us that's anything online when you read about it he He was big on pulling pranks and making people upset like really big on like bad pranks like he was the type of kid that put the lizard in the girl's bra strap and snapped it Stuff like that. Yeah. Like really nasty, cruel tricks on people. And it might have been a couple different things. His father really not being in the picture. He was trying to cry for attention. So there's a lot of things about Ronald in his early years that we have reached out to him numerous times to see if he can either speak to it or against it. And he just won't talk about this at all. And everybody, even, even Barbara Walters. Us. Correct. Yeah. And so as his behavior changes and the things start happening in their in their house in Maryland, right? Right. Cottage City. They reach out to a Lutheran priest, right? Yes. They reach out to uh, Reverend Miles Schultz. And I think it's Schultz. There's no Schultz. T in it, yeah. He's the, he's kind of, so mother is, is evangelical Lutheran. So this is, I believe this is like their, I don't know how Lutherans work, their parish or whatever, like their preacher. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, they have, he has some stay, he has Ronald stay with him. And this is where we get the story. He, he makes this kind of pallet on the floor, you know, a bunch of blankets and stuff. So Ronald can sleep on the floor and it's moving around the room in front of, uh, Reverend Schultz. Schultz? Schultz? Yeah, Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. So Reverend Schultz is witnessing this stuff, but he's also getting uh, the scratching and the knocking. So they're out of the house, and he's staying with him. And as you can see, what we call in the paranormal the attachment. So this thing has already attached himself to Ronald from all eyewitness accounts, even from William Blatty's book, which kind of goes into that. And so this pallet's moving around the floor, Jeremy. Hey, that sounds... 
not gonna lie. It sounds like fun. Uh, I mean, not the possession part, but right. Know, like, it's kind of like that scene from Poltergeist, right? Yeah, very Where she much. Goes sliding across the floor. Um, the the Lutherans don't really deal with this type of uh, possession, and so they reach out to the Catholics, or they tell them to reach out to the Catholics. He actually suggests, like, hey, I think maybe um, we're going to do an exorcism uh, here in Cottage City. Yes. Well, it's not Cottage City. It's at, this is the one, the the alleged failed um, one that happened at Georgetown. Okay. And so Georgetown, just so you know, is is a related school to St. Louis. It's a SLU type of university. It's all Jesuits. Right. So it's a Catholic order. And it's right out. It's outside. It's actually so Cottage City is 35 minutes from Georgetown. You know, it's that's, you know, that's not even halfway across St. Louis. So when we say it didn't happen here, it happened here. Uh, And. It's in the outskirts of Washington, D.C. Actually, this is Georgetown is where the movie was portrayed to happen. Yeah. And so they they reach out to this this priest and there it's a failed exorcism. But the thing about this is and this is the one where Ronald like breaks off a bed spring and slashes the guy. And after four days, they're like they call it a failure. But when it comes down to it, like there's really no evidence that this ever happened. No, it's, but how, but isn't there, isn't this where the skin kind of raises and it says Lewis? Uh, yes. So they are, yes. And it says it on his stomach and they, they portray that in the movie where it says, help me on Reagan's stomach. But this time it says Lewis. And so because of the connection between, Georgetown and so there, there very possibly could be that and I believe they probably were in contact with this priest who connected them with St. Louis right and also Aunt Tilly lived in St. Louis so I had a place to stay right and and actually the house that people say is Aunt Tilly's house is actually they're a different aunt's house Okay. So it's not actually Aunt Tilly's house because I believe Aunt Tilly lived uh, like Richmond Heights. Okay. And so this house that everybody in Belnor, I want to say it's his dad's sister, if I'm remembering correctly. And I, I might be wrong about that, but it's not Aunt Tilly's house, which is what I used right. to believe. But I, you know, doing some further digging. Aunt Tilly lived in Richmond Heights. Uh, Leonard and Doris Hunkler, who resided in what is now the exorcist house. So these two people resided there. Maybe it was his dad's brother. Right. So So, um, Leo and Doris Hunkler, who resided in St. Louis, it's also in the area. It's an area of St. Louis called Normandy. Yes. It's in a neighborhood called Belnor, and you can actually go by it. Um, As we've said before, this is a private residence. Uh, please don't knock on the door. Please don't do anything. And it's like seven minutes, maybe, from uh, UMSL, which is University of St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, where I was teaching. Legitimately, yeah. you could just drive over, and it was right there. Yep, really close. So a cousin of the family gets involved at this point. And he's the one that connects them to 
Father Balgren. Because it was one of his professors, I believe. Yes. And so they're in St. Louis. They make that trip. They're staying in Normandy, St. Louis. Yes. Okay. Just so, you know, listeners are like, oh, they're all over the place. So then we have... Yeah, and they took a train from, you know, that's a long trip back then. 1949, people weren't driving cross-country very often. They took a train from Cottage City to St. Louis. Okay. And then so we had... Um, his cousin introduces him to Father William Bowden, and this is when it all starts to kind of unravel a little bit. Right. There's so many different, you know, offshoots of the story. Some are just rumors I've heard that I've never seen any kind of confirmation. But what we do know at this point is that Bowden brings in, uh, he's a seminary student, mm-hmm. Halloran. Okay. He's not Father Halloran at this point. Brings him in to assist. And there's there's other priests that are involved in this. It's not just because at some point, you know, further into the exorcism, they're like, nope, Halloran, no more. You know, this is too much for you. Um, but that's when, you know, we start to see this. And they, they actually start some of the exorcisms at the house. Yeah, so it gets kind of crazy here, and and in the beginning it was just it was uh, Bowdrin and How and Halloran, and this is after Ronald goes to St. Louis, right? Because this is at the the aunt's house, and so this is kind of where it gets controversial, right? Uh, to have an order of exorcism, it first needs to be approved by the Vatican. In order to be proved by the Vat approved by the Vatican, you need to be showing all four signs and have taped confessions, videotape, whatever was available to them at the time. So basically recordings at this point. Right. And so after Bowdrin consulted with the president of St. Louis University, which we know is SLU, um, Archbishop Joseph Ritter approved Father Bowdrin to do the exorcism according to the Roman ritual. And this is where, for me, it raised a bunch of eyebrows because we know from our last episode that that's not the order they're supposed to do. Right. And so this is where things start to get mm, kind of hairy, kind of spindle-like. But this is, it also has me thinking because, you know, with like going back to Italy, there's 500,000 cases of possession and 350 priests. That's a lot to be taken to the Vatican. Maybe this really is, you know, how it works. Maybe this, you know, Cardinal Ritter, maybe he's been given permission. You know, if you think this, you know, if you see something, go ahead and take care of it. Well, we know that to Washington University, which is kind of like St. Louis's Ivy League, did visit the house. Yeah. And they did a lot of series of testing and they ended up running out of the house. They saw yeah. that this is where that drawer comes open and goes right. up. This is all from the movie, but it actually was a real story. It's actually in this post-dispatch. I actually found the article where the two guys were witnessed and they're like, they were engineers, engineering students. And they were like, we've never seen anything like that. There's nothing, it was nothing was mechanical. It freaked them out. They ran out of the house and they never went back. So maybe all of that. Now, Bowdrin said, well, Halloran actually says that Ronald spoke Latin. And that's one of the things that we look for. However, however, in one of the interviews, so this could be him covering it up. Right. But he said that he thought that, um, Ronald was parroting him. Like mimicking him. Right. And so, you know, 
he's kind of like backpedaling on, well, he did speak Latin, but I think he was just mocking me. Okay, so that's number one, right? Right. Uh, he did object. He did witness objects kind of moving around. Yes. When Ronald was present. He also had, Halloran said he had an uncanny accuracy at spitting, vomiting, and urination, which comes from the body book and you see in the film. In the film. She's always hitting them directly in the face. So this right. is kind of what is kind of happening within this tale. So the thing that Ronald didn't have, however, was the known, right? Known things. Right. And there's also the the superhuman strength, which again, Halloran right. was the one who said, and, and Halloran's brought in because he's a big guy. He's yeah. a football player. I think he ends up coaching football. Mm -hmm. He's a big guy. He's strong. He's fast. And this 11, 12-year-old boy breaks his nose. And they're like, you know, was, was it superhuman strength? And he's like, well, I don't know that it was superhuman. Right. But, I mean, he just could have just hit him accurately. And, and that's true. But, you know. Because when we say boy, he, he wasn't. He was, he was a young teen. He was 14, 15 yeah. years old. And Hunkler, to his own accord, is not a scrawny little kid. I mean, he's right, pretty decent-sized kid. But I would say normal, average, probably medium frame. Uh, you know, well, aside from what we can go on from 1949, the thing that we do know is they did proceed with the exorcism, and it fails at the house the first time. And so they right. move him from the house. Yes. They need to be in a more concentrated ground area. Right. And so the first place they go, they started on March 16th and it ended on April 18th, which was Easter that year, which is strange. The exorcism starts at Belnor. And then this is when the violent moves uh, to the St. Francis Xavier Rectory. And this is something that's also kind of weird, too, right? Right. Because this is so this is the the campus church for SLU. And the rectory would be where the, the priests live. And, you know... I don't know that there's any real documentation that we've found that supports that. There's places, you know, that say it on the internet. The thing about it is that they, so this rectory was torn down, I think 1978, somewhere in there. Uh, and the reason they say it was torn down was for all this paranormal activity and maniacal screaming and laughing and stuff which they say was related back to the exorcism that happened there in 1949. The rectory is, uh, well, it, it becomes, it gets raised. Yeah. Uh, the howling wouldn't stop. Right. was one of those cues, and so they just, they just removed it. They removed the rectory. Um, from the rectory, from St. Francis Xavier, they moved Ronald yet again, and this time to the psych ward, at the Alexian Brothers Hospital, which is about five minutes from my house. Well, uh, and even before that, there's another place that's super controversial. This one, this one's hardly mentioned anywhere, but there was allegedly at some point he was taken to St. Vincent's Asylum right. and observed there. And I don't believe any of the exorcism was done there, but I think they did some psychological testing on him because there's a story that he used to uh, ride on top of the elevator. And the the reality of it seems it's another thing where it's like, well, if this didn't happen, how come the first four floors are filled with Section 8 housing and the fifth floor looks like a 
you know, it's a deserted it's building. It's vacant. Yeah, that whole where all this took place, they it don't open it up. It's not still to this day. It's chained. It's not open to the public. Yeah, and it's and it was on the fifth floor. Um, so again, it's like, well, okay, maybe maybe that didn't happen. There's not a whole lot of accounts to it. However, it's really weird that the story is happening on the fifth floor, and the fifth floor like doesn't even have windows right so now we have a rectory that was raised after Ronald we have a fifth floor that's not being used into the final destination when they move to the Alexian brothers brothers yeah right this is where something really gets weird and this is where every account says that the exorcism took place um, at one point they there's almost like a false finish to it they think it's gone and they actually take the train home to Cottage City, Maryland. Things are good for a couple of days. Within a week or so, they have to come back to St. Louis. They take the train back, uh, back to the Alexian brothers. And so at this point, what happens is you have Father William S. Bowdrin, who's 52 years old. He's a pastor of St. Francis Xavier Church, which we just talked about, right. in St. Louis. And then the final rite was assisted by a 43-year-old father, Raymond Bishop. Yes. He was director of the St. Louis University Department of Education. So this is now another person that's involved in this case because they can't seem to unravel. And this is very common in, in exorcisms. It's not just a one-shot deal. Right. It takes multiple times to exercise something that wants to that is attached and it can take for a very long time and that's what jeremy was kind of going over and and raymond bishop that's where we get the diary that you can find online okay the like the the um 21 pages awesome so that's where is it 21? 23. 23 pages. Yeah, Raymond Bishops is 23, and he's the one that performs the last rite with Bowdrin. Yes. And there is a brief break where Ronald is taken to the White House Jesuit retreat where he attempts to commit suicide by running off the bluffs and is stopped by Halloran. Halloran runs him down. Uh, and if I remember, this is at... I'm not Catholic, and I don't know, but there's like the signs of the cross, and I want to say of the cross. stations of the cross, and it was like the thirteenth one, which is the is that the crucifixion, mm-hmm. and that's the station of the cross that Ronald decides I'm going to go for a jog off the off the cliff, and and Halloran tackles him. Yep, because that's what Halloran does. Feet from allegedly feet from this running cliff. off the edge of the cliff. And it's great. And we have pictures of all this, and we'll post it with the episode. The um, exorcism is finally complete on Easter Day. Yes. Which is April 18th, 1949. That's what we're going to start right here. We're going to stop right here on on Easter Sunday, where the exorcism is done. On Friday, what we're going to go through, Jeremy, is we're going to go through all the discrepancies. We're going to look back at Halloran's testimony. We're going to look back at childhood friends who've testified that uh, maybe— Right. Maybe. We're going to look back at all the houses that are allegedly haunted in Mount Rainier and Cottage City to see if those align. And we're going to start doing what we do best, and that's debunking. Right. Now, we were called out earlier today on our own network about what is really the... De- why, why would we want to debunk things? Why can't we just believe in the paranormal? And... It's, you know, the, the thing is that... <laughs> it's kind of a silly statement. So we just believe that everything is real, like Casper... Yeah, we like, just nod our heads when somebody yeah. says, yeah, yeah, there's an alien that lives in this house. Can't you yeah. see it in the window? 
if we're just supposed to believe all this stuff, does this mean that we, we just throw science out the window so all of a sudden we have alchemists that are turning lead to gold? I mean... No, I think that my... And this is by no means a, a personal remark to anyone that has the opinion of, of paranormal should be, well, it's paranormal, let's just leave it at that. If that was true, we would have never made it to the moon. Right. We didn't... You know, we're curious as human beings to discover new things and new... I mean, it's the whole point behind Star Trek. <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't have muscle cars if we didn't do this. We wouldn't have Chevelles. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't have the Nintendo, the big three fifty small block, or going <laughs> into like you know the four hundred two and then the five hundred two and then. Why stop there? Why uh, stop? I mean, because like at the end of the day, if there's a if there's a possibility that it might be true, or if there's a possibility that it might not be true. Wouldn't you rather know both sides of the story? And I think that that's why the debate stuff is going to be good is because we're not trying to like personally attack someone for believing in something. What we're trying to do is find plausibility to extend the knowledge of what paranormal science can be. Because right now we fall into a pseudoscience because of bullshit technology and gizmos developed by people that don't even believe in ghosts. Or, or like the fucking ovulus, <laughs> the goddamn spirit box. It's all bullshit, man. Like, I'm so ready for that debate. But also, you know, like this is if we don't if we don't try and figure out what it is, you know, how do we come to the conclusion? Well, I I know it's not this. I know it's not that. You you have to exhaust all those possibilities, and when you have nothing left, yeah. and you have no explanation then that's paranormal. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Do you believe in Bigfoot? I want to, but I don't think I can. Yeah. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah, I think I have to. Okay. Do you um, believe in demon possession? Yes. I align with all that. Do you believe that squirrels are real? No. They don't poop? Not until I see a squirrel poop in front of me. Well, or, I believe that. Or see squirrel poop. On that note, I have to poop. So we're going to end this show, <laughs> and we'll see you guys back here on Friday for the chilling conclusion of all the discrepancies in Ronald Hunkler's case, uh, written by his friends, written by people. Uh, Danny Glover, who was a radio host in St. Louis. And definitely not Danny Glover of Lethal Weapon. I'm getting too old for this shit, Jeremy. That's damn right. From all of us here in St. Louis and the podbelly.com network, as oh, we sit... In our beautiful Muggsy jeans that fit perfect. Perfect. Like I'm wearing leggings. No, but they're not really like yoga pants, though. They're like jeans, but they're just really comfortable. It's like I can sleep in them. But anyway. You also wear yoga pants, so don't lie. I do. (laughs) Only when I drive my Chevelle. (laughs) You would slide across the bench seat. (laughs) Take a hard turn and end up in third lane. The car's in the first lane. (laughs) From all of us here at Graveyard Shift, we love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for the likes. Please rate our show. Please rate this fucking show. Just fucking rate the fucking show. It takes four fucking seconds of your life. Hit a fucking one star, a three star, a five star. Write a fucking con- Just do us a favor and just rate this motherfucking show. God. Let us know. Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Love you guys. This love is you. Frankie. And this is Jeremy. And we'll be seeing you. If you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. 